Chapter six of the Prelude to Adventure by Hugh Walpole. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter six The Watchers. One. He was running, running for his life. Behind stretched the long white road, rising like a great bloated warning finger out of the misty trees. Heavy cushions of grey cloud blotched the sky. Through the mist, ridges of ploughed field rose like bars. The dog, Bunker, was running beside him, his tongue out, body solid grey against the lighter floating grey around. His feet pattered beside his master, but his body appeared to edge away, and yet to be held by some compelling force. Ova was running, running, but not from Carfax. There in the wood it lay, the leg doubled under the body, the head hanging limply back, but that was not no fear no terror in that it could not pursue nor in its clumsy following had it had such power would there have been any horror there was no sound in the world save his running and the patter of the dog's feet would the lights never come those sullen streets and at last the grateful welcome crowds he could see one lamp far ahead of him flinging its light forward to help him if he might only reach it before the pursuer caught him. Then behind him, oh, so softly, so gently, with a dreadful certainty, it came. If he did but once look round, once behold that shadow, his defeat was sure. He would sink down there upon the road, the mists would crowd upon him, and then the awful end. He began to call out, his breath came and staggering gasped, his feet faltered. Oh, mercy, mercy, have mercy! He sank, trembling to his knees. Doon, Doon, wake up! What's the matter? You've been making the most awful shindy. Doon, Doon! Slowly he came to himself. As his eyes caught the old familiar objects, the little diamond-paned window, the books, the smiling tenderness of Agidius, the last evening blaze lighting the room with golden splendor, he pulled himself together. He had been sitting, he remembered now, in the armchair by the fire. Craven had come to tea. They had had their meal, had talked pleasantly enough, and then Olva had felt this overwhelming desire for sleep come down upon him. He knew the sensation of it well enough by now, for his nights had often been crowded with waking hours, and this drowsiness would attack him at any time in hall in chapel in lecture sometimes he had struggled against it but to-day it had been too strong for him craven's voice had grown fainter and fainter the room had filled with mist he had made one desperate struggle had seen through his half-closed eyes that craven was looking at a magazine and blowing lazily clouds of smoke from his pipe then he had known no more now, as he struggled to himself, he saw that Craven was standing over him, shaking him by the arm. "'Hello,' he said stupidly. "'I'm afraid I must have dropped off. I'm afraid you must have thought me most frightfully rude.' Craven left him and went back to his chair. "'No,' he said, "'that's all right. Only you did talk in the most extraordinary way.' "'Did I?' Ova looked at him gravely. "'What did I say?' "'Oh, I don't know. Only you shouted a lot.' you're overdone aren't you been working too hard i expect then he added slowly you were crying out about carfax there was a long pause 
the clock ticked the light slowly faded leaving the room in shadow craven's voice was uncomfortable he said at last you must have been thinking a lot about carfax lately what did i say asked olva again oh nothing craven turned his eyes away to the shadowy panes you were dreaming about a road and something about a wood and a matchbox i've been sleeping badly olva got up filled his pipe and relit it i expect although we don't say much about it the carfax business has got on all our nerves you don't look yourself craven he didn't his careless happy look had left him increasingly every day olva seemed to see in him a likeness to his mother and sister the eyes now were darker the tines of the mouth were harder meanwhile so strong had the dream's impression been that olva could not yet disentangle it from his waking thoughts he was in his room and yet the white road stretched out of it somewhere there by the bookcase oil through the mist into the heart of the dark wood he had welcomed during these last days craven's advances towards friendship partly because he wanted friends now and partly he was beginning now to realize there was in the back of his mind the lingering memory of the kind eyes of margaret craven he perceived too that here was sign enough of change in him that he who had from his earliest days held himself proudly sternly aloof from all human companionship save that of his father should now so readily and eagerly greet it craven had been proud of him eager to be with him and had shown in his artless opinions of men and things the simplest most innocent of characters time to light up said olva the room had grown very dark i must be going olva noticed at once that there was a new note in craven's voice the boy moved restlessly about the room i say he brought out at last laughing nervously don't go asleep when i'm in the room again it gives one fits both men were conscious of some subtle vague impression moving in the darkness between them olva answered gravely i've been sticking in at an old paper i've been working on no use to anybody and have been neglecting my proper work for it but it's absorbed me that's what's given me such bad nights i expect i shouldn't have thought craven answered slowly that anything ever upset you i shouldn't have thought you had any nerves and in any case i didn't know you had thought twice about the carfax business olva turned on the electric light at the same moment there was a loud knock at the door craven opened it showing in the doorway a pale and flustered bunning craven looked at him with a surprised stare and then calling out good-bye to olva walked off bunning stood hesitating his great spectacles shining owl-like in the light doon didn't want him he was he reflected as he looked at him the very last person whom he did want and then bunning had most irritating habits there was that trick of his of pushing up his spectacles nervously higher on to his nose he had a silly shrill laugh and he had that lack of tact that made him when you had given him a shilling's worth of conversation and confidence suppose that you had given him half a crown's worth and expect that you would very shortly give him five shillings worth he presumed on nothing at all was confidential when he ought to have been silent and gushing when he should simply have thanked you with a smile 
nothing moreover to look at he had the kind of complexion that looked as though it would break into spots at the earliest opportunity his clothes fitted him badly and were dusty in the knees his hair was of no colour nor strength whatever and he bit his nails his eyes behind his spectacles were watery and restless and his linen always looked as though it had been quite clean yesterday and would be quite filthy to-morrow and yet olva as he looked at him seated awkwardly in a chair was surprisingly unexpectedly touched the creature was so obviously sincere it was indeed poor bunning's only possible leg his ardour he would willingly go to the stake for anything it was the actual death and sacrifice that mattered and bunning's life was spent in marching magnificently and wholeheartedly to the sacrificial altars and then discovering that he had simply been asked to tea now it was evident that he wanted something from olva his tremulous eyes had as they gazed at dune across the room the dumb worship of a dog adoring its master i hear he said in that husky voice that always sounded as though he were just swallowing the last crumbs of a piece of toast that you stopped cardiac and others coming round to my rooms the other night i can't tell you how i feel about it rot said olva brusquely if you were less of an ass they wouldn't want to come round to your room so often i know said bunning i am an awful ass he pushed his spectacles up his nose why did you stop them coming he asked simply said olva because it seems to me that ten men on to one is a rotten poor game i don't know said bunning still very husky if a man's a fool he gets rotted that's natural enough i've always been rotted all my life i used to think it was because people didn't understand me now i know that it really is because i am an ass strangely suddenly some of the burden that had been upon olva now for so long was lifted the atmosphere of the room that had lain upon him so heavily was lighter and he seemed to feel the gentle withdrawing of that pursuit that now ever night and day sounded in his ears and what above all had happened to him he flung his mind back to a month ago with what scorn then would he have glanced at bunning's ugly body with what impatience have listened to his pitiful confessions now he said gently tell me about yourself bunning gulped and gripped the baggy knees of his trousers i'm very unhappy he said at last desperately very and if you hadn't come with me the other night to hear med tetlow i'm sure i don't know why you did i shouldn't have come now well what's the matter bunning's mouth was full of toast it was that night that service i was very worked up and i went round afterwards to speak to him i could see you know that it hadn't touched you at all i could see that and then when i went round to see him he hadn't got anything to say nothing that i wanted and suddenly then at that moment i felt it was all no good it was you you made me feel like that i yes if you hadn't gone like that it would have been different but when you the last man in college to care about it went and gave it its chance i thought that it would prove it and then when i went to see him it was so silly ned tetlow i mean oh i can't describe it but it was just no use and i began to feel that it was all no good 
i don't believe there is a god at all it's all been wrong i don't know what to do i don't know where to go i've been wretched for days not sleeping or anything and then they come and rag me and and the union men want me to take cards round for a prayer meeting and 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 i wouldn't and they said oh i don't know i don't know what to do i haven't got anything left and here to ulva's intense dismay the wretched creature burst into the most passionate and desperate tears putting his great hands over his face his whole body sobbing it was desolation the desolation of a human being who had clutched desperately at hope after hope who had demanded urgently that he should be given something to live for and had had all things snatched from his hands olva knowing what his own loneliness was and the terror of it understood a fortnight ago he would have hated the scene have sent bunning with a cutting word flying from the room never to return i say bunning you mustn't carry on like this you're overdone or something besides i don't understand what does it matter if you have grown to distrust med tetlow and all that crowd they aren't the only people in the world that isn't the only sort of religion it's all i had i haven't got anything now they don't want me at home they don't want me here i'm not clever i can't do anything and now god's gone i think i'll drown myself nonsense you mustn't talk like that god's never gone bunning dropped his hands looked up his face ridiculous with its tear stains you think there's a god i know there's a god oh bunning sighed but you mustn't take it from me you know you must think it out for yourself everybody has to yes but you matter more to me than anyone i yes bunning looked at the floor and began to speak very fast you've always seemed to me wonderful so different from everyone else you always looked so wonderful i've always been like that wanted my hero and i haven't generally been able to speak to them my heroes i mean i never thought of course that i should speak to you and then they sent me that day to you and you came with me it was so wonderful i've thought of nothing else since i don't think god would matter if you'd only let me come to see you sometimes and talk to you like this don't talk that sort of rot always glad to see you of course you may come in and talk if you wish oh you're so different from what i thought you always looked as though you despised everybody and now you look oh i don't know but i'm afraid of you the wretched bunning was swiftly regaining confidence he was now of course about to plunge a great deal farther than was necessary and to burden olva with self-revelations and the rest olva hurriedly broke in well come and see me when you want to i've got a lot of work to do before hall but we'll go for a walk one day bunning was at once flung back on to his timid self he pushed his spectacles back blushed nearly tumbled over his chair as he got up and backed confusedly out of the room he tried to say something at the door i, I can't thank you enough he stuttered and was gone as the door closed behind him swiftly olva was conscious again of the pursuit he turned to the empty room leave me alone he whispered for pity's sake leave me alone the silence that followed was filled with insistent 
mysterious urgency two craven did not come that night to hall galleon had asked him and alva to breakfast the next morning he did not appear about two o'clock in the afternoon a note was sent round to alva's rooms i've been rather seedy just out for a long walk do you mind my taking bunker send word round to my rooms if you mind r c craven had taken bunker out for walks before and had grown fond of the dog there was nothing in that but olva as he stood in the middle of his room with a note in his hand was frightened the result of it was that about five o'clock on that afternoon olva paid his second visit to the dark house in rocket road his motives for going were confused but he knew that at the back of them was a desire that he should find margaret craven with her grave eyes waiting for him in the musty little drawing-room and that mrs craven that mysterious woman should not be there the hall when the old servant had admitted him once again seemed to enfold him in its darkness and heavy air with an almost active purpose it breathed with an actual sound almost like a melody the vault triste of sibelius a favourite with olva seemed to him now to be humming its thin spiral note amongst the skins and chinese weapons that cover the walls the house seemed to come forward on this second occasion actively personally his wish was gratified margaret craven was alone in the dark low-ceilinged drawing-room standing in her black dress before the great deep fireplace as though she had known that he would come and had been awaiting his arrival i know that you will excuse my mother she said in her grave quiet voice she is not very well she will be sorry not to have seen you her hand was cool and strong and as he held it for an instant he was strangely conscious that she as well as the house had moved into more intimate relation with him since their last meeting they sat down and talked quietly their voices sounding like low notes of music in the heavy room he was conscious of rest in the repose of her figure the pale outline of her face the even voice and above all the grave tenderness of her eyes he was aware too that she was demanding from him something of the same kind he divined that for her too life had been no easy thing since they last met and that she wanted now a little relief before she must return he tried to give it her all through their conversation he was still conscious in the dim rustle that any breeze made in the room of that thin melody that sibelius once heard i hope that mrs craven is not seriously ill no it is one of her headaches her nerves are very easily upset there was a thunderstorm last night she has never been strong since father died you will tell her how sorry i am thank you she is wonderfully brave about it she never complains she suffers more than we know i think i don't think this house is good for her father died here and her bedroom now is the room where he died that is not good for her i'm sure rupert and i both are agreed about it but we cannot get her to change her mind she can be very determined yes olva remembering her as she sat so sternly before the fire knew that she could be determined and i am afraid that your brother isn't very well either she looked at him with troubled eyes i am distressed about rupert 
he has taken this death of his friend so terribly to heart i have never known him morbid about anything before it is really strange because i don't think he was greatly attached to mr carfax there were things i know that he didn't like yes he doesn't look like the kind of fellow who would let his mind dwell on things he looks too healthy no he came in to see us for an hour last night and sat there without a word i played to him he seemed not to hear it and generally he cares for music i'm afraid their eyes met and olva held hers until he had finished his sentence i'm afraid that it must seem a little lonely and gloomy for you here in this house after your years abroad she looked away from him into the fire yes she said speaking with sudden intensity i hate it i have hated it always this house cambridge the life we lead here i love my mother but since i have been abroad something has happened to change her there is no confidence between us now and it is lonely because she speaks so little i am afraid she is really very ill but she refuses to see a doctor then her voice was softer again and she leant forward a little towards him and i have told you this mr doone because if you will you can help me all of us do you know that she liked you immensely the other evening i have never known her take to any one at once so strongly she told me afterwards that you had done her more good than fifty doctors just your being there so that if sometimes you could come and see her he did not know what it was that suddenly at her words brought the terror back to him he saw mrs craven so upright so motionless looking at him across the room with recognition with some implied claim why he had spoken scarcely ten words to her how could he possibly have been of any use to her and then afraid lest his momentary pause had been noticeable he said eagerly oh, it was very kind of mrs craven to say that of course i will come if she really cares about it i am not a man of many friends or many occupations she broke in upon him you could be if you cared i know because rupert has told me they all think you wonderful but you don't care don't throw away friends mr doone one can be so lonely without them her voice shook a little and he was suddenly afraid that she was going to cry he bent towards her i think perhaps we are alike in that miss craven we do not make our friends easily but they mean a great deal to us when they come yes i am lonely and i am a little tired of bearing my worries alone in silence perhaps i can help you to stand this life a little better if i tell you that mine is every bit as hard she turned to him eyes that were filled with gratitude her whole body seemed to be touched with some new glow into the heart of their consciousness of the situation that had arisen between them there came sharply the sound of a shutting door then steps in the hall that's rupert she said they both rose as he came into the room he stood back in the shadow for a moment as though surprised at olva's presence then he came forward very gravely i've found something of yours doon he said it lay gleaming in his hand your matchbox doon drew a sharp breath then he took it and looked at it where did you find it in sanit wood bunker and i have been for a walk there bunker found it as the three of them stood there motionless in the middle of the dark room 
ova caught through the open door the last sad fading breath of the valse triste End of chapter six